Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Very warm welcome to the Headliner Radio podcast. Today I'm chatting to Melissa Masika. She is a brand marketing director at Isotope. Melissa, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much, Colby. It's great to be here. Great stuff. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be chatting to you today. Um, where are you joining us from, Melissa? I'm in Medford, Massachusetts right now, which okay. is just a little bit north of Boston. Cool. So not too far from headquarters, Isotope headquarters? Not too far, although our headquarters are moving. I was closer now. I'll be just oh, a wow. little bit farther away. Yeah, we're going to actually be downtown in Boston now before we were in Cambridge, right near MIT, sure. which is really where Isotope was born. Now we're, we're leaving the neighborhood and, and going to the big city. That'll be fun <laughs> for all of us. Yeah, a nice change. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cool. More I lunch mean, options. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. How how have things been going um, at, at the company, generally speaking, uh, recently, Melissa? It's It's been a busy time for you guys, right? Goodness, yes. And, you know, it's just been interesting adapting to all of that with the pandemic in play as yes, well. Yeah. Being a completely remote workforce has, it's been an adjustment. I've also been really proud of how well the company has done through that. Mm -hmm. And also um, just really proud of how gracefully it's been handled across the board. Um, Just thinking of the way the company has really tried to support us through that too. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll say on a personal note for me too, I I have two toddlers, uh, one just turned four and one's just about to turn two, but the little one was five months old when this all started. Wow, yeah. Uh, we, we daycare wasn't an option with what everything locked down and, um, you know, the, <laughs> the greatness of all colleagues dealing with, you know, cute faces popping in mm-hmm. and me popping out occasionally <laughs> to change a diaper and that type of thing. Um, it really went more smoothly than I could ever imagine. I'm not eager for it to ever happen again, but <laughs> <laughs> living through it, you know, definitely gained some gray hairs and a lot more uh, moral fortitude for challenges <laughs> in the future <laughs> yes yes life throws these things at us sometimes and we just uh you just have to plow on through sometimes don't you um exactly but, but no that's um that's great and i mean congratulations on um on uh on you know having having a a little baby in lockdown which is uh <laughs> and and having to you know deal with that i mean that's um that's you know, in- interesting time for you, I can imagine. But um, what what were your initial thoughts when when the pandemic first came about? At least, uh, uh, sorry, Melissa, when the uh, you know when things first kind of you know there was a lot of doom and gloom, wasn't there? Sort of about eighteen months ago, when 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 it first happened. Um, what were your initial thoughts for uh, you know on a personal level, but also for for Isotope um, as a company? Definitely, you know, there are just so many questions on a personal note. Obviously health of family and loved ones and friends and of course colleagues too and and then also just thinking how can the the company weather this you know both through even just the operations of the company Mm -hmm. in general but then also what does this mean for the the landscape of our industry Mm -hmm. and um i think we another place to feel grateful and lucky is how the pandemic is sort of an instance where people turn to their hobbies in a way they may not have had a chance to in a really long time. But being home in your house, your computer becomes an escape. And for people who love making music or always thought they might want to Mm -hmm. end up being a great time for that. And became a great time for Isotope to connect with more customers and and users who maybe hadn't been around their DAW for a while, but now they were getting back in. Yeah, for sure. And it's been it's been a time when a lot of a lot of people, uh, especially creatives, music makers, have have had a lot of time on their hands, or a lot more time on their hands. 
and uh, mm-hmm. are getting really stuck into to making music and obviously uh, you guys are you know, facilitating that. Um, how has the company actually had to adapt uh, from your perspective, Melissa, during during the pandemic? It's obviously, I know you guys are moving, uh, have moved to subscription model um, mm-hmm. with your uh, with your products. How has that been going? I know it, having spoke to some of your colleagues already, it's been, it's quite a robust model and a lot of companies are, are kind of going that way. But what was the, the main kind of um, prerogative for you, uh, you know, in terms of adapting and, and, and being flexible um, when it comes to, 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 to the pandemic? Sure. You know, I think it really became an extraordinary time because that is one of the more seismic shifts as an organization to change our business model. Sure. Yeah. And that comes across in a number of ways, you know, planning, how do we want to do subscription and then all the technical underpinnings and making sure that experience goes smoothly for customers. Everything's working well on the back end for us and sorting that all out with everyone remote and, you know, new hires. It's been amazing that we've, the team has grown while we've, been in state and but it's people you know have never stepped into the office or worked shoulder by shoulder with anyone and so all of us trying to integrate to make that happen Mm -hmm. um yeah i won't say that it was easy and there's certainly challenges we still face with certain technical issues that are are a pain or you know vendors we're working with where we're trying to see if they can work more the way we're hoping to work um and in different requirements that we have but i'd say overall uh one thing that has been helpful is um, we've really tried to adopt a more agile mentality with how mm. we work. That's really popular, obviously, in software engineering, but we're really trying it out across the whole company in different departments. Mm-hmm. We're not the first to do that, but there, you know, there certainly aren't a whole lot of examples to look to, for example, for marketing on, on how to how to approach scrum and sprint planning with marketing type tasks. Mm-hmm. And um you know, there's a learning curve and and that's another thing that's continuously getting better. But I mean, that's sort of the whole point of everything, right? Continuous improvement. Yes. And I, I bring all that up and to bring it full circle just to say, at least we were exploring some new ways to organize our work in a way that was centralized, that could help everyone be more aware of what everyone else was working on. Yes. And that's just so critical when everyone is scattered to, to just make sure we're all on the same page or um, sprint board, however you want to call it. Yes. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, now, t- tell us a little bit about your background, Melissa, because I know you've you've worked for for the company for for quite a while now. Um, yeah. Ha- tell us, a, yeah, tell us a little bit about um, your background. Um, you know, what, why or how you decided uh, to get into uh, the music side of things, um, and a little bit about how you've seen Isotope evolve over the years. Sure. All right, I'll try to tell the quick version of this, but I will start back at college. There's always just... a long and a short version, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I first went to school, I went to Northeastern University um, and I went there. One main reason to go was I was really intrigued by the co-op program. So their whole model is that you go to school and then you also work. So when you come out of school, um, you have a resume. So either they're, you know, usually paid type internships that are a little bit more serious than maybe just a casual internship mm-hmm. you might get through uh, another another university. And so I actually went in there thinking I wanted to be an astrophysicist, but <laughs> one quarter into school, I started thinking, you know, everything I ever did that was an extracurricular was, was really music related. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for me? And I was 
already in the uh, a flute player among other things okay. but uh i was in the orchestra and the band and the jazz band and really connecting with some of the staff that was on the the music side at the organization and i started to hear they had a new program called a music technology program they're mm -hmm. looking for some people to be guinea pigs in this new program mm -hmm. and i thought well you know wasn't this a great way to sort of mix the more sciencey technical side that I like and the music side, because I knew I didn't want to be a professional performer. I knew I probably didn't want to be a music teacher. Mm. I knew I didn't want to be solely a composer. And that seemed like the options in music, but this new music tech program seemed very intriguing. Mm. So I, I joined in on a whim and, um, you know, that was one of the happiest days I ever had in college. I remember eating some mac and cheese in the cafeteria and just grinning ear to ear that I had made this change. It just felt so right. Yeah. Yeah. And great. So, that was a, it was a cool degree because they were starting to figure it out themselves and you know looking at different sound design equipment and different like Kurzweil you know devices and mm -hmm. and doing a little bit of composition mm -hmm. learning how to use a DAW it, it was all great and ends up being great background for where I am now yeah but the the I'd say the key factor there is that one of my first co-ops was at a company called Cakewalk, which you might remember as a, a DAW that's been around for a while yes. now that's been acquired by BandLab. But I, um, I got a paid internship there to be a quality assurance engineer. And if I can go into a sidebar there, you know, I think um, what was great about that experience was actually how I ended up getting the job. And this is going to touch a little bit on just sort of the state of women in the industry. Yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah. Um, because it was this moment where I went into the co-op office and back then I'm old enough where you had to flip through a literal book to see what the options were. Mm -hmm. And not all of them were paid. There's a work at the Handel and Haydn Society as a ticket taker or, um, you know, I don't know, work in a music uh, library. They didn't really have many music tech gigs yet since it was such a new program. Mm -hmm. But there was one internship at Cakewalk for this QA engineer role. And I started talking to the coordinator there and they said, oh, I don't I don't think you should bother going for that. Um, you know, there have been a lot of the older older fellas and some of the other music industry degrees that have tried for it and they haven't gotten it. So it's probably not worth going for. Mm, and okay. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I, I don't that, think that's true. I, think yeah. I, 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 would, I would imagine that would make you want to go for it even more really <laughs> yes and i did and i had a you know a great interview with a guy that i give a lot of credit to still tom roussel mm -hmm. um and 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 got hired and so there we go um you know there's sort of an example of i'm, I'm glad at that age you know i think i probably wasn't as uh, forthright as i am now but that i still pushed for that because nobody's making those opportunities happen for you mm -hmm. and um and so that was great. And so I, what's other, what's also notice, notable about that internship was just there was another, another QA intern there whose name was Mark Ethier, who is the CEO yes. and co-founder of Isotope. So that's where actually I first met Mark. Oh, back okay. Ninety-nine, yeah. And um, you know, I ended up staying in QA, staying at Cakewalk for a while, moving over to technical writing, using that to actually get a role outside of the music industry. Um, so I, you know, Mark and I definitely parted ways, but I was aware of what he was doing with Isotope and really proud of him. Um, he's just such an amazing, upstanding fella. And um, as uh, years go on where I'm in a, uh, a less thrilling world, I was ended up in doing some program management work at a place that was about uh, data backup and things like that. Okay. I really felt this sort of pull and longing to get back into the music world. Yeah, yeah. 
and it was a serendipitous time that there was a role open at Isotope. Um, we ended up reaching out, connecting again, and it was the right fit. And so that's how I got back into the uh, audio industry. And I've been so happy to be here since. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's great. It's quite a nice uh, full circle moment, really, having, uh, mm -hmm. having met Mark back then and then kind of, uh, um, you, know, you know, the opportunity uh, presented itself to you and uh, and obviously you took it which is great and um, I mean before we talk about some of the some of the more sort of recent trends that you've been you've been seeing in the industry Melissa um, I just wanted to touch on that point that you mentioned about um, women in the audio industry because obviously there's there's still a lot of work to do um, on that side um, in terms of equality and diversity um, but I know Isotope as a company again having spoke to a few of your colleagues is quite a a culturally diverse and and um you know it does a lot of work on that side uh to make it a real um you know universally friendly community and it's a very kind of people driven company am i right in in saying that absolutely and i i would say um it's only been getting better these last few years especially in terms of you know we're, we're definitely not where we want to be in terms of our workforce representing the the breadth of mm -hmm. types of folks we serve. And we're really mindful of that. Our people ops team is so great and, you know, really data driven too about this and thinking so carefully about, you know, what are we aiming for and what can we do through recruiting and what can we also do? Mm. You know, this is a focus for a lot of us. Um, starting to think about how can we get more involved in the community to also help the next generation of the talent pool yes. come up because it's, you know, it's not something that can be immediately fixed, but um, yeah, as yeah, a has been, has been really great for um, friendliness and inclusiveness. For yeah, sure. That's cool. That's cool. And, yeah. and yeah, moving on just slightly to a point I mentioned a minute ago, um, what from a kind of marketing perspective, obviously, uh, the company um, is is focusing on um, particular things at a particular time, and, and I would imagine at the moment it's the it's the subscription model moving, you know, moving in in that direction. Um, but what trends have you seen over the last say five years? Because obviously the the industry does move extremely quickly, um, mm -hmm. as does the technology. But what are the main kind of trends that you've seen over the last few years, Melissa? That that have, have driven uh, some of the marketing efforts at Isotope? Yeah, you know, I think um, well, there's, a, there's a few things. I think one is it's just a continuation of a, a long time trend, but the tech with the tech moving more quickly, it's expanding farther and that's just more and more people becoming creators in some form. Yes. Yeah. And that's certainly the rise of YouTube is one part of that, but, you know, for micro trends coming up now, uh, you know, there was Vine and other stuff, but with TikTok now too, just, you know, everybody trying to create a platform for themselves mm -hmm. where whether they're playing their music or just being funny or doing a dance or whatever it is, there's, there's content being created that most times needs some sort of audio. And so, yes, as we, and, and podcasts too, just like this, yes, you know, of course. the escalation there really for us, you know, it's thinking about like, okay, uh, we have a lot of healthy debates around, you know, who do we focus on right now? Because I think an anti-goal we have is to try to be everything to everybody at all times, mm -hmm. because then we're just a, 
you know, bad peanut butter sandwich because we're spread too thin. Yes. So the idea of, you know, who are we focusing on right now and really understanding their problems and where we can make a difference there. And then, you know, expanding on or, you know, widening the circle to then include a different cohort of people who have a slightly mm -hmm. different set of problems. You know, the other way to look at that is sometimes just looking at what's most universal that we can help with. And, sure. you know, the idea that we're focusing on certain people certainly doesn't mean that we aren't excited or welcome for anybody else who finds our tools and finds them useful to start using them. But when we're thinking about marketing stories or, you know, who, what sort of artists are we going to focus on spotlighting or what sort of tutorial mm. content are we going to make? That's where we, we, we want to be meaningful for certain groups of people and not just little slapdash bits here and there for a whole lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And is it fair to say that you're kind of focusing on, on, as you mentioned, the sort of next generation of, of aspiring producers and engineers uh, of that level who are all kind of completely working in the box on their laptops, maybe in their bedrooms. Um, is there sort of a, quite a big focus there or, or, or not necessarily? Is it, is it more broad than that? Yeah, no, I think if we talk about where we're, we're expanding that circle more than we have before, we certainly have really strong relationships with, you know, more traditional mastering engineers and mix engineers sure, yeah. and recording engineers, but, um, but also plenty of producers who do work mainly in the box. And yeah, there, we know there's a whole group of folks, even though we've been around for 20 years, um, in a way, you know, we've been around 20 years, maybe it takes a bit of time to realize yeah, yeah. that. We are, we're, we're just as cool and hip as anybody else <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, and so, yes, like, how can we, how can we package our stuff in a way that, that is easier to use? And I, I think um, that's a piece of it too. You know, there's, were times certainly over these years that I've been hearing before that the, there was a quite a learning curve to our products. They were so powerful mm. and we were packing in so many features, but it ended up meaning a fair amount of stuff was, you know, buried under a right you know, right click context menu or, you know, some yeah. sub level of the menu and to try to find that stuff. And so, you know, if you've been watching Isotope over time, that's where we have been transitioning to still including all that power and control, but trying to surface things differently, like with our, you know, intelligent assistance where yes. somebody who is really familiar with everything can use it just as like a studio assistant to quickly get to a starting point, but then work their magic. And for someone who isn't as familiar with, with the processes yeah. can then get that starting point and maybe be satisfied or, you know, what we hope is they they've seen what happened and learn a little bit along the way of how they can manipulate their audio and, and dial yeah. it in yeah. even more themselves. But in all cases, if somebody does just need something quickly, we're there for them too to just, get to, to get to a better sound more intelligently based on their content right away. Yeah, for sure. And like you say, you don't want to take any of those, um, those features away from products. You just want to make them more accessible, more digestible, um, and a little bit more, uh, yeah, just, I, I guess a bit more, um, easy to use and a little bit more, you know, streamlining workflows in, in that respect. Yes. And I like to say too, like fun. Well, Creation. yeah. Yeah. It's such a great process, right? There's so much joy in creation and whatever we can do to make it more fun. Like some of our, I, we have such a great design team and really focused on UX. Mm. And if you look at some of our products like Vocal Synth or Neoverb and the different ways to even navigate going through the sound, like our Spire app, you know, the way you can mix, it's a visual mixer and you're just dragging things around. Like it's, it's nice to sort of get into that tactile feeling too, because mm. I think that's another thing we talk about trends. Um, 
like all of us are maybe a little bit fatigued with our digital world and anything we can do that yes. makes things less just sliders and knobs and check boxes, but something that's a little bit more akin to any sort of realistic, real life interaction yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah. And um, a, a couple of your colleagues have already mentioned um, Spire Studio. I know that's something that you guys are, um, have seen quite a quite a lot of engagement with obviously it's kind of remote production tool um and i mean what's coming next from you guys can you can you give us an idea melissa of of um the kind of things you're focusing on and and what we can what we can expect next yeah let's see what can i what can i say about yeah, what's what you coming can and you can't talk about yeah yeah <laughs> I know. um you know i think in in broad strokes for us we've been talking about it a little bit already, but it's how can we reduce friction in the creative process? There yeah. are still so many hiccups, no matter, you know, what tools you're using. Um, so there's compatibility issues, the, the hassles yeah. of updating, hassles of installing, hassles of something not working quite right, hassles of, you know, working with one brand's products that aren't playing nice with another brand's products. Some of these things, um, some of these things we can't solve all on our own, but I think we're looking towards a future of how can we as a whole industry sort of yes. make things easier because there are a lot of products out there. You know, this is a, a rich world that we're in for people to have options yes. and that can be great and that can be horrible. And, uh, you know, people have different reactions. Some are collectors and then some are just sort of locked in of like, I don't want to be distracted by anything else yeah. but the tools I know. And that really is an expression of, I think trying to avoid the friction, not that they don't, that they aren't interested in like, Oh, maybe I could get an interesting sound with something else, but it's more like, I know this works. I'm just going to leave it locked in. Cause I don't want any distractions, but if we can turn those distractions into something that is more like creative spark inspiration type stuff, because it's easier to just do the fun stuff and not the technical stuff. Yeah. I think that's where there's real, real promise and potential in the future. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I guess it is just personal preference, isn't it? Whether, um, you know, like you say, some people are locked in with a particular product or set of tools, which they which they keep going back to. And others are a little bit more experimental. But I know you guys have, have for a while with some of your educational materials and, and content that you've been putting out, you know, it isn't just a niche to isotope products. It is kind of like tutorials about, you know, mastering tips and tricks, but it's not necessarily talking about um, ozone or, right. you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's quite, yes. you know, you guys have been pushing on that kind of um, sharing knowledge front already. And, and like you say, removing that friction um, for, for, uh, for, for creatives. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's really important to us too. And thanks for picking up on that because I think that is a real core value for us that the friction can just be, in the lack of understanding of audio itself. Mm. And we have some really amazing researchers and, and audio experts at Isotope where we're always looking at different ways of like, how can we make complex things simple and describe them in a way that, yes. you know, we're not doing it to sell ozone per se. We're, well, we're yeah. doing, we just want to help everyone better understand what it is they're working with and why things sound the way that they do. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and I'm, you know, you guys are doing a fantastic job of that and I'm sure you'll continue to do so. Um, 
it's been a strange time, hasn't it? This uh, this last eighteen months, but I think we're we're gradually coming out the other side, and um, yes, and I think um, and it's just great to hear that you guys have have kind of been thriving through this uh, through this period. Um, I mean, it makes complete sense um, why that's been the case, but um, yeah, just just great to hear because obviously it's been a it's been a tough time, and uh, it's just great to hear that you guys have have been really. Um, yeah, I mean the silver, silver linings and all that. You know, making the making the best out of a of a bad situation. I guess. Yeah, totally. You know, um, it. I know we are so fortunate compared to some other industries where this was the exact opposite of what what a travel company or a hotel business or something mm. needed. It just happened that we were in the in the right spot yes. at the right time of a very dark time. So we're yeah. we're grateful and thankful. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Melissa, it's been so nice chatting to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise, Colby. Thank you so much. It's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, I mean, best of luck with, uh, you know, everything you guys have got going on at the moment. It's um, certainly a busy time and I'm sure there's going to be um, lots for lots for your customers to look forward to in the near future. Um, I know there's always loads going on uh, behind the scenes. So uh, yes. it's uh, it's exciting to see what's going to come next. Yes, stay tuned. There's always more coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great stuff. Right. Um, thanks again, Melissa. You uh, you take care and uh, we'll catch up very soon. Love it. Great, thanks. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.